Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's a new season. Come on, just keep playing. Play an E flat, please. Yep, go to E flat. Go ahead and be seated. I just want to share, Mark leaned over to me and said, just share a little bit. So um, when your pastor, Mark, you know, we live with Mark. The Bible talks about Mark, the perfect, the perfect man, perfect men or something. So Brenda says Mark and they both answer. Or I say Mark, you know, Mark, whatever. It's been quite confusing the last couple of days. <laughs> but um, when, when your pastor was sharing, we are headed back to Europe. And we're so excited because, um, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it, there's a call to the continent of Europe that we've had and have for many, many years. But the last few years, uh, God began to deal with us before pre-COVID uh, about establishing prayer bases. We call them fire bases. And so we began to go into Paris and we began to just go and we'd go in and we'd walk the streets. We'd go back to our hotel and we'd pray. Then we'd go back and we'd walk the streets and we'd go back and we'd pray. And um, we did that in we did that in um, Paris a lot. We went into Athens, went into Athens, and we walked the streets and we prayed. And as we walked the streets, especially in all of these nations, we've looked at each other as we've walked the streets and we've said to each other, "If Jesus were to come back." Right now, would the city even know? Would they even know? Would there be anybody gone? And so um, we knew that we knew that we were to establish these prayer bases, fire bases, to pray for a move of God in these nations. And so after multiple trips of going into Paris, we now have a fire base, prayer base, established in Paris. They've uh, started one in, in the outside of Paris, the inside of Paris. They're one established in Normandy area. And so these fire bases are popping up all over France to pray for an outpouring of the rain on the nation of France. So then we moved on down south into Italy. We began to go into Italy. We were going into Rome uh, on a consistent basis going in uh, for just probably a week. We took on two different occasions. We took teams, a team of uh, prayers with us, and we went in and we did the same thing. We'd walk the streets and pray and then go back to where we were staying to pray, to intercede for the country of Greece, uh, a country of Italy. And uh, in our times of praying, it actually began in France. As we prayed, we began to pray out. There are closet nuns and priests who were filled with the Holy Ghost. And it was so quite interesting. It's like, really? You know, sometimes the Holy Ghost, you hear yourself praying on things and you're like, really? Tongue talking, spirit filled, born again, priests and nuns that are just kind of in the closet. And so we prayed that before, before we ever even established the prayer base. But over time, it's long story, but God connects. And uh, our couple in Paris was connected with some uh, priests. And uh, they come from a line of charismatic priests that nobody really even knows about. But they're tongue-talking priests in Paris. So come to find out, this same church, cathedral, that we kept getting drawn to. It's amazing how the Holy Ghost will lead you. When we were walking, we kept getting pulled to this cathedral. That's the cathedral that these tongue-talking priests have a history of, dating way back. In, actually, I think it was into the 60s where the first priest went somewhere in England when the charismatic move began in Europe and got filled with the Holy Ghost, came back to Paris. So this, this brotherhood, spirit-filled, born again, spirit-filled. So anyway, we go down into, into Athens or into uh, Rome. We begin going into Rome to pray for a move of God. For the rain to fall for a revival in Italy. And anyone that knows anything about Italy, you know that Catholicism has, has a, a very stronghold. Huh, hello. Vatican is there. But we began to pray, and sure enough, we began to pray the same thing. That there are closet, tongue, uh, tongue, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost saved, spirit-filled nuns and priests in Rome. And so one day we were there on one of our trips praying 
And all of a sudden, I remembered while we were praying that the the church, the cathedral in Paris that we found out about with the spirit-filled priest, they have a sister church in Rome. So this rose up in me while we were praying one day. And so I text our couple in Paris and said, could you give me the name of the church? We're going to find it. So he did. Everybody else is praying and I'm texting back and forth, getting the name of this church. And lo and behold, I Googled it and the church was within a 15 minute walk of where we were staying. We went to this church. Long story short, the gates, there was gate. The church must have been built a long time ago, like the 1100s or something. It's a lot of little tiny cathedral with a wall around it. And um, there was the gates were locked, and we're like, "Oh, this is it!" But we can't get in, so we're standing there, and come here comes two priests and a nun, and they walked up to us outside the gate, and they said, "Can we help you?" And we're like, "Yeah, you might can." We just wanted to see the church. We know some of the priests in in Rome, and are in in uh, Paris, and we just they said, "Well, we're entering in now for a time of prayer. Would you like to join us?" We said, "Yeah, I think we will." So we went in and we were there for their adoration service. The nuns came out and they, they went to the front. They began to worship. They knelt down and they were singing. They had their hands lifted during this worship time. And I'm like, oh, my lands, this is amazing. And they just worshiped and worshiped and worshiped. And you know, God came. God filled that little cathedral. And so uh, we were speaking with them. And the priest that we, that kind of could speak English, the priest was the only one of the priests. He was a, he was a student priest. He was in the Vatican about to graduate. Um, we still maintain contact with him. He's back in the States. He's over a parish in Spring, Springfield, Illinois. No, no. Effingham, Illinois. Over, over a parish, or we call it a parish in Louisiana, over a church. But I, I want to say this. While we were there, we were introducing ourselves to the nuns and the priest, and we were talking why our purpose was there, and we told them we're here to pray for a move of God in this city. And all of a sudden, it rose in, up in me. I said, may I sing? May I worship a song to him? And the priest said, well, let me check with the head nun. So he said something in Italian. And she says, yes, yes, please. So this is what I did. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, my Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. I worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. There is none. There is none like you. There is none. There is none. Like you. And it echoed throughout the cathedral. And the head nun, she said out loud when I finished, Amen. You know, God comes as a response of our worship, He comes. And when he comes, he brings healing. When he comes, everything that he is, he brings to earth. It says he inhabits, he lives, he dwells in the praises of us. 
So as you worship, and over and over time, and even in the, throughout the New Testament, you see where they came and they worshiped Jesus. They knelt before him. They worshiped Jesus and they received their healing. So, so often we think, well, you know, I'm just going to go and get my healing. Why don't you worship for a while? Why don't you worship him? He is our healer. He is our healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. And we worship you. We worship you. All that is in us. We worship you. Do what you can do. Only you can do. Let your healing flow. For this is the hour of your mighty power. Let it flow. worship you oh we worship you <laughs> oh everything in me worships you for we worship you we worship you we worship you thank you Lord that you are <laughs> you are Jehovah Rapha Jehovah Rapha the God that healeth us and we thank you, we praise you, and we worship you. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Amen. I got too many switches here. Hallelujah. Am I on? Am I, am I on? I think. I'll look. Looks like I am. There we go. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, this is interesting because, you know, we've had this in the works for the last two years when we couldn't, really couldn't travel. We couldn't. We couldn't travel to and through Europe. Couldn't even get into the countries. We can now. There's still some restrictions, but that's all right. But um, uh, this is something that's been rolling us in us for a long time. Actually, back to uh, the first part of 1981. We were in the Philippine Islands for four months, and the Holy Ghost gave us a uh, almost an open vision of the continent of Europe. No clue. Thought we were called to who knows where. But Spirit of God showed us a map of the continent of Europe with these little bonfires all over it. Probably fire bases. I don't know. But, uh, uh, and, and then Spirit of God. You know, it's kind of like Peter over there in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. You know, he, he saw the sheet let down from heaven, did it to four corners, saw all this. And then the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, three men are looking for you. Go, go with them, nothing doubting. Well, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost said, um, said, uh, when this trip's over, go back to the States, base your ministry in America, and begin to travel through the continent of Europe. Don't go anywhere else until I tell you to. And uh, so this has been in us for a long time. And if you do any much studying on end times, you know, you, you find, and this is not my message for tonight, so like somebody says, don't take this up on preaching time. <laughs> but... but uh, uh, if you go back through, you, you know, you go way back to the book of Daniel, you see Nebuchadnezzar's, the image he had, that he saw that image with the head and the chest and, and the two legs, you know, which was the, that was the Roman Empire. It ended up one leg going into Rome, the other one going into Constantinople, which today we call it Istanbul. And, uh, but then he saw this other kingdom that would come at the very end, and it would be these ten toes, and it would be the revival of the Roman Empire. Well, you know, I don't know an awful lot about it. I'm not sure anybody really does, but... We do know that a major part of our call is to have a, a, a world outreach base in the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And our primary call is from there out to, uh, we're supposed to be ministering the, around the ten toes. Whatever they are, but we do know it includes places that we're called to go to right now. So anyway, but the interesting thing is, and uh, as 
my wife was sharing this up here. You know, I got this, I got this revelation a while back. I thought, you know, I was looking at, you know, like for Pastor Mark and myself, our wives seem to be very, uh, they handle a lot of the details for us. <laughs> and I was thinking one day, I thought, you know, the amazing thing was all that was in that one rib. <laughs> I used to have all that. I used to be a really detailed person until Adam needed fellowship and God put it, all that in that rib and took it out. And I don't have it anymore. Don't have it, don't need it, don't want it. I was believing God for a voice, found out it was easier to believe God for a wife that had one. Wanted details, easier to believe God for a wife that handled the details, so... But anyway, um, I was sitting out there thinking, you know, uh, interesting that uh, uh, this is the first place we've been with all that she just shared with you. This is the first place we've been that we've shared this. What's going on? Where some things are going? And so I, I thought, this is, a, this is a house of prayer. I know that. I know you, you, know, you, you folks pray. So I guess I'd say, you know, we, we, uh, we'd, sure lo- we'd sure like it if you'd pray for us in the days to come. Because when she's talking about the cathedrals, we have been in times of prayer. We've seen ourselves in big cathedrals in the continent of Europe. Big cathedrals having healing and miracle services. In big cathedrals there. You don't even need a sound system. Those things were built before they invented sound systems. And You can go in there and preach and it just goes through the whole cathedral. And singing, it just, uh, just echoes through the whole building. And So anyway, um, I, I don't know. All of a sudden, suddenly... Suddenly, you know, I mean, the day was there for a little while. I thought, well, maybe we've just, you know, maybe we've done what we're supposed to do. And we'll just raise up some young folks to go do this. And, uh, but I'm still young, so I qualify. And uh, so anyway, so uh, I just, I thought, I'm going to get up and ask you folks, if you just believe God with us, pray for us as we launch back out into the continent of Europe. We've been sitting, um, uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, you know, I used to have cars. I mean, I've always had cars, but I, you know, I, I've had cars in my in my younger days that I just ran a little too hard, and um, I was a car guy. Okay, you know, the classics, the '60s, '70s, Woodstock generation, whatever. And um, man, I'm telling you what, though, but some of those cars, I'd come racing back in, you know, home and, you know, kick it out of gear, you know, pull the emergency brake, shut it off, go inside, and I'd go out an hour later, and it's still sitting there, just rocking. It just diesel. I'd had my cars dieseled a lot. I drove them too hard. But I thought that's kind of how we've been for the last two years. We came back the, the 24th of February of 2020, just before COVID hit America. It was already in Italy. We left Rome the 24th, and people were saying, there's something coming. You need to start, you know, start getting ready for it. There's something coming to Rome. Well, we left that day, and uh, within a week to two weeks' time, it was starting to, to hit America. And uh, so the minute we got back here, we didn't, we had no clue that things were going to be locked down for two years plus. But we've been sitting in Tulsa with this just rocking, just, you know, shut the key off, shut everything off, but the engine just wouldn't quit. So anyway, said all that, say we're going back and if you'd believe God with us, we, we covet your prayers. I covet the prayers of places where people know how to pray. We'll put it that way. So anyway, Father, in the name of Jesus, glory to God. We thank you so much for what you have done, what you are doing. But, oh, thank you, Lord. You are, you, 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 dear Lord, you said, I, when, when Moses said, who am I going to say sent me? You said, tell him I am. You're not the I was and you're not the I will be. You're the I am. And I thank you that the I am is still the I am. And I thank you, Father, for what you're in the process of doing for all of us in the days to come. And it really, as we landed on that in the service this morning, um, oh my goodness, if we could just, if we could just see, if we could see, we wouldn't walk by faith, but if we could just see what you've got out ahead of us, oh my goodness, hallelujah, my goodness, how big, how great, how amazing it is. Oh, and, and I, though the world may get darker, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Lord. I, I don't think everything's just going to get just wonderful all over the nation. But as the world gets, the world's not yet seen her darkest days, but the church has not yet seen our brightest days. So we thank you for that, Father, for what's, what's in the works for the church in the days to come. The rain's going to fall. The harvest is going to come in. We're going to check out and go home, and we're just excited about that. Hallelujah. So we thank you, Father, again, for this wonderful church. 
the, the, the gift, the call that's upon, that's upon this house, what's yet to come to pass here. We're, we're grateful to be able to be here. We, we're so thankful. Thank you for the pastors, what they've got. My goodness, their DNA runs so deep and so strong. And what's on the inside is what's going to continue to be magnified on the outside. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Trust you for utterance tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Praise God. Well, we, made a, we, we announced this morning at the end of the service that as far as we knew, t- tonight would be in some capacity, in some form, would be a healing service. And as far as I know right now, uh, that's where it's headed. We're, we're going to end up that direction, uh, ministering for predominantly, for primarily for, for physical healing. And uh, God's, a, God's in the healing business. Hallelujah. We haven't seen anything yet. I've studied and studied and studied on uh, the Azusa revival, the the healing revival, 1947 to 1958, the charismatic move in the 60s, the word of faith movement in the 70s up into the 80s, and the joy move after that. And and I've, uh, I've, uh, minor, everybody all right back there? Good, good. We don't want to have to start the healing service quite yet. But anyway... (laughs) <laughs> it's been known to happen before. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, but I've, I've studied this. And, and what we've seen in our, really in our nation that's really spread out all over the world, what we've seen in our nation concerning an outflow of divine healing is nothing compared to what we're going to see. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know where we're headed tomorrow. I'm not even sure where we're headed t- tonight. But, but uh, you know, Paul made the statement over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. You know, God's got a testimony. Yeah. God's got a testimony. You know, you got one, I got one. You know, I, I, I grew up in a little country church and, and got into my teenage years, got a spirit of stupid on me and, uh, you know, ran out and found my way back. Well, you know, we have testimonies of some sort. God's the testimony. What's God's testimony? I had a creation. I lost a creation. I pur- purchased a creation and I'm getting them all back. You know, what is it? TL said God's creation, Satan's deception, Jesus substitution and man's restoration. The four points of the gospel. But now. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're heading over into something uh, beyond anything we've ever seen before. And I, I, I'm very convinced the, the uh, as I was saying over in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, uh, uh, talked about the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Yeah. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was with demonstration of the Spirit and power, so your faith won't be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The church world has got to get back to letting the Holy Ghost demonstrate. Demonstration of the Spirit and power. So we'll have a generation where our faith will not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. (laughs) So anyway, so I'm going to just kind of of, uh, work my way through a few things here. And uh, we won't take a lot of time because we really don't have the time to do what we'd call a teaching seminar. Just going to bounce off some high points here. And then we're going to go ahead and minister to the sick. And we may, even, we may even stop partway through. We'll just see what happens. I already know a few things the Holy Ghost is stirring, uh, some individual situations he wants to minister to. Uh, why does he do it that way? I don't know. It's not my job description. I don't know why God moves certain ways. But God is, he's not only God, but he's also Father. And sometimes Father wants to bring in some, uh, some surprise blessings into our life. Just because he's, he's Father. But anyway, um, you know, uh, in going back to the book of Acts, I'm going to just kind of hit, like I said, a couple high points. When you go back to the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, we've got two major outpourings. You've got a lot of miracles. My goodness, you know, Philip went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to him, and the whole city, looks like the whole city must almost got saved. You know, the people, took, uh, the people gave heed to those things which he spake, both hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So we see that. But really, we've got, even though we've got miracles all the way through the book of Acts, uh, we've got two major outpourings. First one, of course, is uh, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And so we know what, we all know that. And, and uh, people were there from all over the known world. Jews doing business in Jerusalem from all over the known world. They came running together and said, what meaneth this? And, and Peter stood up and he said, uh, 
with the eleven, he stood up. He said, these, these men are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that. One translation said, this is the beginning of that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. I've wondered many times if that group would have done what they're supposed to do if we wouldn't have needed a second outpouring. Because didn't he say all flesh? Wouldn't that include Jews and Gentiles? If I, I've wondered if that group in, in, in Jerusalem, if they'd have done what they were called to do, they've already got the instruction, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness to every nation, then the end shall come. Okay, You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. See, they've already got their commission. The Holy Ghost fell and empowered you know, uh, the, the 120. They had an outpouring in the city, okay, you know, 3,000 men say, 5,000 a couple days later in the, in the temple there. But um, Peter was, when, when he stood up, he quoted, uh, he quoted Joel chapter 2. This is the beginning of that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He's preaching to the Jews. The Jews all knew who Joel was. They'd heard this preach. They knew what Joel said. But all of a sudden, what they've been hearing for years is happening right in front of them. I believe that's where you and I are headed. Amen. I believe stuff we've been hearing for years is going to be suddenly right in front of us. But anyway, um, but we see this. And, and so you've got this great outpouring on, on the, the nation of Israel, on the Jews. Well, that was great, except for 12 years, they didn't go anywhere except to the Jews. They didn't go outside Jerusalem. They didn't go to the Gentiles. They didn't go to other cities. They didn't go to other places. They kept it right there and there. They just built a wonderful big church in the big church in the big city, and they never took it out anywhere like they were supposed to. So 12 years later, God says, all right, we've got to get this outside. We've got to get this thing working better. And so he finds uh, a man named Cornelius. Okay, member of the Italian band. Okay, Italian mus musician. But anyway, um, member of the Italian band. <laughs> and uh, and uh, an angel visits him and he said, uh, talk to him about sending for Peter and told him where he was and to go get him. And, and you got at the same time, you got Peter over there and, and he's going up on the rooftop to pray about lunchtime and he falls into a trance. So you got God speaking to Cornelius to go get Peter. You got Peter up here saying, three guys are waiting for you. Go with them, nothing doubting. And God connected these two in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, you got the second great outpouring. The first one, Peter didn't have to say a lot of things because the Jews knew who God was. They'd gone through the scriptures. They, they knew what the scripture said. They knew what Joel prophesied. They knew about the healings that God did. They knew about Israel coming out of the bondage of Egypt. They knew all this. But when God sent Peter over to the Gentiles, they didn't know anything. I mean, they're clueless. They don't know anything, you know, and all of a sudden, but they just know they're hungry. They'd somehow met the God of Israel in the old covenant, but they didn't know Jesus. So when Peter goes there, he's got to preach some stuff that he didn't have to preach on the day of Pentecost. Because you got all these Jews here that have heard that before. Now he's in this house full of Gentiles at Cornelius' house. And um, he walks in. First thing he does, he looks out there. He knew God had sent him. He sees Acts 10.34, he looks out and he says, Sirs, I perceive God, God is no respecter of persons. Yeah, yeah. To God, there's no difference between a lost Jew and a lost Gentile. Doesn't make any difference. Then, this is the part I wanted to get to. Then we get down to Acts 10, verse 38. So now Peter is preaching. He's, now he's, he's, got to, he's not only going to preach about the death, burial, and resurrection, but he's got to preach the earthly ministry of Jesus because these people don't know who Jesus was. They've got to learn the whole thing. So first thing he does is because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's going to have to preach to them about what Jesus did when he walked on the earth. Until he went to the cross and died, buried, rose again the third day. So anyway, so he stands up there. This is the part we're looking for. You can look it up if you want. Acts 10, verse 38. Okay? All right? There it is. Okay, so he stands up there. He looks out. He sees this room full of, uh, uh, of Gentiles out there. He knows God sent him there. He knows when he gets back to Jerusalem, he's going to take heed over this because he's not supposed to even eat with them, much less go get them all saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. He knows he's going to get him in trouble, but he knows what the Holy Ghost did. He knows this visitation he had. So he stands up, and this is the verse I want to just land on for a little bit here. He says, um, he stands up there, and he says in verse 38, he said, uh, how God now, he's going to get past, when he gets past this, he's going to preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That is the gospel. But before that, he's going to preach the earthly ministry of Jesus. 
Apparently, it's vitally important that they know that. Yeah. And in the church world today, there's a lot that we have kind of slipped past. And a lot of the church world today doesn't know this side of the earthly ministry of Jesus. So Peter stands up there and he preaches in Acts 10.38. He says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Boy, that's so good there. Here's something to think about it. Jesus was the Christ. What's the Christ mean? The anointed one. Why did God have to anoint the anointed one? Isn't that what he said? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Jesus was the anointed one. Why did God have to anoint the anointed one? Anoint means to equip with the Holy Ghost. Why did, why did God have to anoint Jesus with the Holy Ghost? Well, we know in Philippians that when he came to the earth... He had to be like us to redeem us. He had to become one of us. He had, to, he had to show us what it would look like for a son of God to be on the earth. And then made us sons. He had to show us what it looked like for God and man to get fused together in one body and stay on the earth for, for, for three and a half years. He had to show us all this. The only way to do that was to take his mighty power and glory that, like a cloak and leave it off behind. And when he came to this earth, he stripped himself of his mighty power and glory and lived as a... That's why he didn't work any miracles the first 30 years of his life. He didn't heal anybody. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't raise the dead, cleanse the leper, didn't heal anybody the first 30 years of his life. Why? Because he didn't want to? No, he couldn't. Why? Because without the anointing, you can't do anything. And he left that anointing as the son of God. He left it behind, lived for 30 years. And then we see him in uh, uh, third, fourth chapters of, the, of Luke's gospel. When he went to the Jordan, was baptized by John the Baptist, came up out of the waters praying. The heavens opened, the spirit of God descended upon him in bodily sh shape like a dove. And the anointing of God came on him. Luke, the fourth chapter, he goes out there in the synagogue and he says, The spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me. Yes, yes, yes. That's the short course on this. But Jesus, when he came to this earth, he stripped himself of his mighty power and glory, did not work any miracles for the first 30 years of his life. I heard somebody said, there's some lost books of the Bible. I said, why don't you go lose them again? <laughs> because somebody told me they talk about all these miracles Jesus did as a little boy. You know, no, no. John 2.11, when he turned water into wine in the marriage feast in Cain of Galilee, this beginning of miracles Jesus did and manifested forth his glory. So he's on the earth for, for 30 years with no miracles. Okay? Because he wouldn't? No, he couldn't. You, can, you not, Nobody can do anything without the Holy Ghost. Nobody can do anything without the anointing of God. Okay? It, he was the Word, but the Word couldn't work any miracles without the Holy Ghost. There's another thought. But anyway. So, so you know, we, we, we watch the ministry of Jesus and... and and, um, you know, now we see where, where uh, the Spirit of God came on him. And he goes out and starts working all these miracles. All right? Now, this is what Peter's preaching about. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Now, here's what we're looking for. Who went about doing good. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you. Where I grew up in the church, we didn't know if God was a good God or not. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Serious as a train wreck. I'm telling you, we did not know if God was a good God. You know, I, rem I remember when I first got saved, gave my life to Jesus after running from him for a long time. I gave my life to Jesus, and I remember somebody saying, well, do you think you're in such a place with God if he wanted you to spend the rest of your life as an invalid, you'd be all right with that? I said, yes, I think I'm there. We didn't know any different. Nobody had ever given us a Bible, never read one, okay? Didn't know if God was a good God or a bad God. We had no clue about anything. Didn't know enough to read a Bible and figure it out. So anyway, so... So now, so Peter's going to stand up here, and you got all these, all these Gentiles here. They heard about God. They're at Cornelius' house. They, they're studying God under the law. They've never met Jesus, so he's going to preach Jesus to them. And he says here, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He's preaching this to this group. And notice when he gets done preaching this, the Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on all those that heard the word. This message was so good, Peter didn't even get done preaching it, and the Holy Ghost fell on everybody. I want some messages like that. I want, I want some messages where in the middle of preaching, the Holy Ghost just, God likes it so much, he just falls on everybody. He just says, back up, get out of the way, I got some business to take care of. So, he says... Uh, he says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power. Who went about, and I know it said, who went about doing good? Went about doing good. I was so glad. I was so grateful 
I remember when I first heard John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life, you might have it more abundantly. Yeah. I was so glad to find out God's a good God, the devil's a bad devil, and they never trade places. Man, that was good news to me. I'm telling you what. I told that to some other folks, and they got mad at me. Well, you're happy where you are. I'm happy where I'm in. I'm at. But anyway, said uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power, who went about doing good. He settled the issue right there. Went about doing good. And he never changes. If it's good, it's from God. If it's bad, it's from the devil. That just, I mean, that's pretty, that's just 101. That's so simple. Okay? But it's time the church presented that to the world because the world's got it all goofed up. I heard a fellow on uh, Christian television, oh, probably a couple years ago now. I heard him make the most ridiculous statement about God. And I thought, I'm glad I don't serve your God. He said some horrible things about God. It actually irritated me. I thought if you said that about if you said that about my earthly dad, you know, we'd we'd go out in the backyard for a while. If you said that about but and you said that about my heavenly father? Right. And he made God look like a really bad bully. Wow. They just whip on you just to teach you things. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the church is gonna to have to get hold of this so we can present this if we're gonna go soul winning or gonna reach the world, we're gonna to have to tell them about a good God. Yeah. They already got a bad one. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good. Now here's the part we're looking for. Who went about doing good and healing. healing. Went went about doing good and healing. healing. There's healing and then there's all kinds of good. There's good financially. There's good in your life and marriage. There's good in your your mind. There's good in your system. There's good in getting free from uh, uh, oppression and depression. And and there's good in getting getting free of, of, of substance abuse. And there's all this other stuff. He went about doing good. If it's good, God does it, and if God does it, it's good. Got to get that settled. He went about doing good and healing. Now, healing, people kind of say, well, healing is this and healing is that. Well, let's take healing as what it really is. Healing is recovery from a diseased condition. Okay, you see, people say, I want God to heal my marriage. Well, he can repair it, he can fix it with your help. But healing is when God does all the work, he gets all the credit. Okay. So anyway... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing. Went about doing good and healing. Went about doing good and healing uh, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God's with him. Now take that apart a word at a time. I think we got it on the screen. He went about doing good and healing. Healing. Now, now how many did he heal? Now you're going to go crossways with a lot of the body of Christ on that one. Because, you know, notice it said he went about doing good and healing. How many is all? All is all. All is all. All is all. You, you study through the scriptures. I mean, you go back to Matthew eight seventeen. When the evening was come, they brought unto many that were possessed with devils. And, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all. Healed all that were oppressed. Healed all. You know, I, I, and I don't have all the answers, but I've studied the, the Gospels, the New Testament. I've studied a lot for a lot of years. And in there, I've never found anywhere, I found where people didn't get healed, but it wasn't God's fault. I found where people didn't get healed, but it wasn't God's issue. It wasn't that God refused to. Jesus went, Mark 6, 5, went to his own hometown, and the Bible said there he could do no mighty work, save he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief, went round about their cities and villages teaching. If he didn't heal everybody, it wasn't his fault. People say, well, if it's God's will to heal everybody, everybody would always get saved. Well, I, I, I will challenge you with this. How many people is it God's will to, to save? Everyone. Well, if it's God's will to save everybody, everybody, well, sure, everybody gets saved if it's God. No, because salvation's a choice. Okay? So really, if people don't get saved, it's not God's fault. If people don't get healed, it's not God's fault. Somewhere, the issue is going to be on our end. Not to put condemnation on people, but it's, you know, it's going to be on our side of the deal. Sometimes we've got adjustments to make. Okay? You know, sometimes you just... Actually, it kind of helps to just actually believe God. It does make a difference. But anyway, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power, who went about doing good and healing, went about doing good and healing, went about doing good and healing, healing from a diseased condition, went about doing good and healing, healing, how many? All. You, again, you follow Jesus through his earthly ministry, three and a half years of earthly ministry, he never refused anybody. 
In fact, there was one time, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, a leper came to him, fell down before him, said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I know you're able, I just don't know if you're willing. Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, saying, of course I will be made clean. The only person to question the will of God to heal was a poor old sorry leper. And Jesus emphatically said, yes, it is my will. Nobody ever challenged him on that again that I found. And he never refused anybody. When he went to the cross, he went for all. What he did at the cross, he did for all. What was done at the cross belongs to all, to anybody that receives Jesus. And when he went to the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. If he did that at the cross, then it belongs to whosoever will. He's no respecter of persons. So anyway, so we see these truths in here. Number one, uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good. That settles that issue. Doing good and healing all, that settles that issue. Well, you know, sometimes it's His will to heal and sometimes it isn't. Well, if you go by people's experience, you might think that. If you go by the Bible, you don't have the right to think that. Well, I know people that didn't get healed. I know people that didn't get saved. Not God's fault. Okay? So it's pretty easy here. Went about doing good and healing all. Now he, gets, he goes a little, a little further here. You know, I don't know about you. When I first got saved, I got saved and I, I got in the charismatic movement. We had big Bibles. We didn't know we were supposed to read them. <laughs> you know, anybody else, you know? Yeah, we had Bible studies. We didn't study the Bible. My goodness, nobody knew enough to study it. And, uh, but we had, you know, we, it was the charismatic move. We were all saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, operating in gifts of the Spirit. We were, we, we were disasters looking for somewhere to happen. That's why, that's why God brought in a, a, a teaching revival right on the heels of that to take all we knew Spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers and get us back into the Bible and get us back to a stable lifestyle. Amen. I'm so glad God knows His business. It says one about doing good, healing all, healing all. You know, I mean, we, we you know, we just, I, I remember people telling me, well, you know, God just knew he could trust me with this sickness. He knew I was the person he could trust with this. Any of you ever hear somebody tell you that? Yes. Yeah, I had people tell me that. Yes, God knew he could trust me with this. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. And, and, and God knew, God knew I needed this to perfect me. I beg your pardon. The Bible said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, mature, thoroughly furnished all good works. All scriptures. God doesn't have to have sickness to straighten me out. He's got the Bible to straighten me out. Doesn't have to have sickness to teach me. People say, but I've learned so much being sick. Well, I learned a lot being sick. I learned I don't like being sick. Ah, uh, one fellow said to me, you know, sometimes they just pop, things just pop out, you know. And one fellow said to me, yeah, well, you know, I learned so much being sick. I looked at him and I said, you'd learn more if you'd have just read your Bible. <laughs> but anyway, your pastor didn't say that, I said that. But anyway, stick with me here. I, I get nicer. Uh, but... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power, who went about doing good and healing all, never turned anybody down. I challenge you, look through the Gospels. You'll never find Jesus refusing anybody, turning anybody down. You find people that didn't take it, but it wasn't his fault. Went about doing good and healing all. Now notice there, he didn't call sickness a blessing. Went about doing good, healing all that were what? Oppressed. Oppressed. God never called sickness a blessing. He called it an oppression. If you've ever been sick, you know it's not good. It's an oppression. Yeah. Healing all those that were oppressed. Yeah. Up, now, let's go a step further. What about doing good? Healing all those that were oppressed of the yeah. devil. For God was with him. How was God with him? In the anointing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, it just straightened. In one verse, Peter straightens out the entire doctrine for the church world. Verse 34, I'll let two verses. Verse 34, I perceive God's no... Re- Do you know if the church believed that, it'd straighten everything out? God's no respecter of persons. If you he ever healed one, he'll heal all. If you he ever healed one cancer, he'll heal all cancers. If he ever healed one arthritis, he'll heal all arthritis. He has no respecter of persons. Some folks, you know, they get jealous. Somebody gets healed. I look for people that get healed. 
I look for people more blessed than me. I look for people that are healthier than me. I look for people that are doing better than me. Why? Because if I can find people doing better than me, if I'm next in line. God's no respect to persons. Somebody gets healed, God, I'm next. Somebody gets blessed, God, I'm next. You are no respect of persons. Okay? I've seen folks get just so jealous if somebody gets blessed. Jealous, nothing, man. I'm in line. But anyway, went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. God never called sickness a blessing of God. He called it oppression of the devil. He told us what it was and where it came from. And he said, I'm the Lord. I, I change not. Okay? If he ever said sicknesses of the devil, he didn't change his mind along the way. It's oppression of the devil. Well, you know, how about we take another verse or two, and then we're going to move on from there. How about if you go back through to, oh, let's go to, how about the, the 13th chapter of the book of Luke? Oh, yeah. 13th chapter of the book of Luke. Okay, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. And that, behold, there's a woman that had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years. You know, that's a long time to be sick. Spirit of infirmity. This is not, we don't know, but we're guessing it was um, probably some form of a crippling arthritis. Because the Bible said she was bowed over together and could in no wise lift up herself. Okay? Think about that. 18 years she's not able to look up. 18 years she's bowed over together. 18 years she's got a devil racking sickness on her body. She's not demon possessed, but she's oppressed. There's a, there's a demon that's causing arthritis. Arthritis isn't always a demon. In her case, it was. Right. Spirit of infirmity. Yeah. Bowed over together. 18 years could in no wise lift up herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him. She probably was sitting in the back and she had to come clear to the front. My guess. I wasn't there, of course. But call, he called her to him, and he said, Woman, woman, I love this. Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Laid his hands on her. Immediately she's made straight and glorifies God. Ruler of the synagogue. Answered with the, How could he answer with indignation? I don't remember Jesus asking him a question. <laughs> Ruler of the synagogue. Answered with indignation. And he said, uh, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. See, they're, they're, you know, that's just mean. They're not rejoicing that this lady who's been sick 18 years in their church, they're not rejoicing she got healed. They're just mad because she got it on the wrong day. So, uh, so man, they got all kinds of upset about it. He said, uh, he said, which one of you? Would not lose your axe or your ass from the stall, lead, lead him away to watering on the Sabbath day. And ought now, verse 16, I love this. Ought not this woman, he's going to put them in their place. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham. Well, I'm not Jewish, I don't fit. No, Galatians says, if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed. And there's according to the same promise. If he got it, she got it, you get it. Okay? Said, ought not this woman... Being a daughter of Abraham, now stick with this here, whom Satan has bound. There's that same thing again. He didn't call it a blessing of God. He didn't call it something God knew she could live with, you know, teachers. No. said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. When he said these things, all of his adversaries were ashamed, and everybody else glorified God for the wonderful things that were done that day. Okay? He just had to straighten out their doctrine. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound? 1 John 3, 8. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He never destroyed the works of God. If he destroyed the works of God, we'd be in trouble. We'd have a house divided. Jesus didn't destroy God's works. He destroyed Satan's works. What did he destroy? Sin, sickness, disease, poverty. Find what he destroyed. You'll know it's the work of the devil. Amen. And we could go on and on. But see, these are just basic truths. These are things that put faith on the inside of us. Right. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Yeah. Hallelujah. God's in the healing business. And I'm telling you what, Jesus started out that way. The disciples took it and, and moved that way. We went through some dark ages, but I'm telling you what, when we came into the early 1900s and we came into Azusa Street then into the healing uh, revival 1947 to 1958 the charismatic move we've come into the last hundred years of an explosion of divine healing yeah. Yeah. 
They didn't believe in it for years. Now it's almost hard to find a town where you can't find somebody that will pray the prayer of faith for you for healing in your bodies. God's in the healing business. God's in the healing business. Jehovah Ra, he said, I'm the Lord. I, I changed not. I changed not. He's never going to change. Never going to change. I was so glad to find that out. So glad to find that out. Okay? First time I heard that, I said, God, I've seen this in the scripture. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go do whatever you ask me to do. But I said, I plan to have you show up with Mark 16. If you don't plan to do that, I don't plan to do anything. I wasn't being arrogant. I just said, God, if you're not going to do this, I don't want to do that. If you don't plan to back me up, I really, I don't want to go. I said, Lord, I got kicked out of two college groups because I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I said, if you're not going to show up and do something about that, I should have stayed where I was at. I said, God, if, you, if you're not going to show up and show off and manifest yourself, I'm not interested in the job description. Now, again, I wasn't being arrogant. I was making a consecration. Say, did God strike you with lightning? No, no. I heard the Holy Ghost on the inside said, okay, if you'll preach the word, I'll confirm it. Come on. That's right. I love that. He didn't say, well, I'll do my best. He said, no, you throw it on me. I'm throwing it off on you. You preach the word, I will confirm it with signs following. Man, I went out and started preaching. I laid hands on the sick. Every service I went to, I called people up, laid hands on the sick. Say, everybody get healed? No, the first six months, nobody got healed. I said, I don't care. God, I don't care if nobody gets healed. I'm going to keep laying hands on the sick, ministering to the sick. I'm just going to keep doing it until it starts working. That's been a long time ago. But I'll tell you what, I've watched God over the years. Uh, uh, Fifty-some nations, I don't know where all we've been now, everywhere. But I've watched God confirm His Word all over the world. Doesn't matter where it is. He's no respecter of persons. God's in the healing business. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to stand to our feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many came for healing in your body tonight? Just wave your hand at me. How many came needing healing, wanting healing, desiring healing? Good. Good, good. You know, the price has already been paid. I'm so glad to find out every sickness, every disease, every weakness, every infirmity that the devil ever designed to lay on my body 2,000 years ago. God grabbed hold of that, reached down into the future, into my life, took every sickness, every disease that should have been on my body, right out of hell. The devil had it planned. Jesus went to the cross. God reached out, took every sickness, every disease that would ever be on my body, pulled it back to the cross, laid it on Jesus, and himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. What he took, I need not take. What he bore, I need not bear. No use two of us carrying that. I'm so grateful Jesus went to the cross, bore stripes so I could be well. I'm thankful for that. Okay? I'm not going to carry anything willingly. I'm not going to carry it around thinking I'm supposed to learn something from it. Like I said, the only thing I learned about sickness and disease is I don't like it. Hallelujah. Praise, Praise God. God. So. Okay. Yes. So if you need healing in your body, you want to be ministered to for healing. If you'll head out to the side aisles out there and work your way and we'll bring you down to the front. And then when you're, when you're finished and, and you walk away healthy, you'll go down the center aisle here. Yes. And I'll tell you ahead of time. In fact, you can go ahead and move now if you want. You know, in the scriptures, I, I think sometimes where we've gotten a little mixed up at times is, uh, you know, I've seen people say, well, you know, I came to meetings and I didn't get anything. Well, well, think about this. We know many, many healings in the scriptures were instant. Okay. Woman of the, uh, the bowed over together. No, what could in no wise lift up herself. Immediately she's made straight and glorified God. Some healings were immediate. I like immediate healings. I love immediate healings. But you know, the Bible tells us in Luke's gospel, 10 lepers came to Jesus and the Bible said, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. You know, some folks aren't going to feel any difference until they went. Sometimes you got to take it and, and head, head for home and watch your body recover. Luke, uh, no, John, the fourth chapter, man came to Jesus on behalf of his son, a, a nobleman. And the Bible said the nobleman's son began to amend from that hour. Some healings are instant. Some are as you go. And some are an amending process. I worked for Brother Hagen for a number of years. And uh, I remember me. I remember one particular meeting. There was a lady that came in. Um, pretty good sized meeting. 
lady came in and uh, she was uh, in a wheelchair. Multiple sclerosis. She was in very bad physical shape. But she came, got in line, brought her in in a wheelchair, took her out in a wheelchair. But I noticed, I'm, you know, this is like a five-day meeting. And I noticed by about the third night, I look up and I see this lady. I'm thinking, she looks pretty familiar. And she's walking into the service. And I found out later, the lady that walked in or rolled in in a wheelchair, rolled out in a wheelchair, by the third day, her body's perfectly well, perfectly healed of MS. Okay? It took three days. Well, goes, why did it take three days? Who cares? Who cares if it takes three days? It's better than spending the rest of your life with that. Some healings are instant. Some are as you go. We've seen people all over the world within, oh, a day or two. All of a sudden, they notice as they're going home or as they're heading back to wherever they're staying, their bodies are amending as they go. The nobleman's son began to amend from that hour. It's just as scriptural to have an amending process as it is to have an instant healing. As long as you get the healing, that's what matters. <laughs> you know, i I, I'm gonna. I don't think we're gonna get back to this tomorrow night. I don't know. I'm not sure where we're headed. But uh, yeah, I remember um, to to know what God's done to provide supernatural help. Jesus is the healer, but God's provided a lot of supernatural help to do certain things in our physical bodies. And uh, we were in a meeting. My wife and I were in a meeting in in uh, Munich, Germany. And. Uh, we were with a, a friend of ours. He's preaching this one night. And he, uh, uh, he was up on the platform. The platform was about this height. It was a real low ceiling in this building. Second floor of a, a kind of an office building in Munich. And he's ministering, you know, and he, he you know, calls people up and he, you know, each night to lay hands on the sick. Okay, so this is, this is a healing and miracle kind of a service we're doing. Well, he's ministering this one night. And there was an aisle just like this in that church. And all of a sudden, you know, I thought about that when, when we talked about Luke, the 13th chapter, the woman that had a spirit of infirmity was bowed over together, could in no wise lift up herself. Here we're in this meeting. And all of a sudden, here comes this man coming down the center aisle. <clears throat> He's totally bowed over. He can't, he, all he can do is scoot his legs. He can't look up. He can't stand up. He's trying to move his head like this so he can see where he's going. He's scooting his leg, to, just scooting his feet to, Took him a long time to get up that center aisle. This was he had nobody called for a healing line. This guy, middle of the service, he just he's heading down to the front. He gets down to the front. The, the minister we're with, he stops, and, and and this guy comes up and he and he somehow gets down on his knees and he puts his hand on this minister's feet and, and he puts his hand and, and he kind of bows down. The guy backs up and he says, "Don't do that. You'll get me in trouble. I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer." I would heal you if I could, but I can't. I'm not your healer. So the guy kind of gets back up on his feet. You can see the guy's living in pain. We didn't know anything about the cause. We knew nothing about it. I mean, it's pretty obvious it was some kind of an arthritic condition. But we didn't know anything. Guy did, we're in Germany. The guy didn't speak a word of English. You know, we're trying to get the interpreter to find out what's going on. And, uh, you know, he's getting ready to, to pray for this fellow. And, and he's, he's back maybe uh, four or five feet. And he's kind of standing there all bowed over together, just like Luke 13. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he starts standing up straight. Real slowly, but he's straightening out. Found out later, found out later he was part of Hitler's army. So in the 40s, he was taken prisoner by the Soviets. He went to Siberia to a prisoner war camp, spent the rest of World War II in a prisoner war camp in Siberia. His job in the camp was to carry wood to the other barracks so people could have some fire for some heat. And so he spent the winters of Siberia carrying wood on his back. By the end of World War II, he had bowed over so much arthritis had set in that he couldn't stand up. So from roughly 1945 maybe to 1985, for 40 years, he had not been able to stand up. 40 years. Not been able to stand up. Just scooting around like that. 40 years time living in pain. But I don't know, we don't even know how I got to this meeting. Somebody gets into this meeting nobody gave a call for healing he that man just want he's ready for a miracle he just came scooting up that center aisle got to the front you know like i just said and he kind of backed up and all of a sudden my wife and i are in the front row we're watching this all of a sudden 
He's, he's bowed over like this, and all of a sudden his body starts to straighten up. Starts to straighten up like that, real slowly. And the, the straighter it gets, the bigger his eyes get. He's not pushing like this to straighten it. He's straightening up. And he kept getting more straighter and straighter and straighter and straighter until all of a sudden he's standing there just straight as you and I. Straight. But while he's doing this, this minister up here goes, wow, look at that. I'm going, yeah, I'm looking. Never seen anything like that. But I didn't say anything, you know. He said, look at that. He said, there's an angel behind him. This got a hold of his shoulders and he's picking him up, straightening out his... Now, angels aren't healers, they're messengers. They deliver what Jesus bought and paid for. Jesus bought and paid for that man's healing. He's got to receive it. But God had an angel go and work on this guy, help it, grab him by the shoulders and just start straightening him up. He straightened that fellow so, so straight. My wife and I are both on the front row and I'm telling you, our eyes got big because he came up. Not only did he stand up straight, he went up on his tiptoes. I thought he was going airborne. <laughs> thought he was, we thought he was, uh, that guy's going up in the air. But I'm telling you what. He turned around and he walked to the back just as straight as anybody's ever. He walked in of 40 years. He walked in uh, with his bowed over together, could in no wise lift up himself in a moment's time. God, by Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, through redemption, delivered by an angel, in the middle of all that, this fellow gets a healing and he walks out of there a perfectly whole man. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'd give you stories about that. I've seen people with, uh, been in car wrecks and their body was a wreck, you know. I've, I've seen them on the floor and you could, you could see something working their legs back and forth like that. Couldn't see what it was. Something's working their legs back and forth. They could barely walk and all of a sudden they get up and, and they're ready to run back to their seat perfectly healthy. I'm telling you, God's in the healing business. If it takes an angel to help with it, that's God's business. Can, but he doesn't have to. Jesus is the healer. Shed his blood, bore stripes so we could be well. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.